Yes. And you get to introduce everybody, and I'm going to introduce you. Okay. Because for most of us, none of us would be here or be as successful as we are as Christians if it weren't for you. And my, my personal story with Bill, Bill was my teacher. You guys, these guys have heard this a hundred times. But he was my teacher. Right? I was a rough kid. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but you talk about a public servant in a public school willing to show Jesus. And I had no idea what I was seeing. I had no idea. He told me one day in a school story, he's like, hey, you know, I'm a preacher out of Pleasant Hill. I'm like, oh, good for you. <laughs> Wasn't my thing, right? <laughs> and guys, and these guys have heard this, like I said, a hundred times, but it was 15 years. 15 years ago, but I never saw the man. I never heard his name. Nothing. And when I decided it was time for me to make a change in my life, he was the guy that I thought of. I had no idea that I was seeing Jesus every day when I walked into his class. And when, I, when, I, when you talk about courage and and being courageous. You talk about a public servant that had a good paying job, had a pension, and everything going for him. All I do is go to school every day and teach, right? And he was going to be able to retire a rich man. He had little kids, and he said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going full-time preaching. Right? Mm -hmm. With no guarantee that there was going to be a paycheck. There wasn't a ton of money out where he was going. And yet he did it. He said, you know what? I'm living it for Jesus. And boy, did he provide, right? Amen. And because of that decision, right, he saved my life. Let Jesus work through him. He saved my life. And I know he's worked in every one of your lives, right? That's courage. That's courage for Jesus. That's the kind of men that we need to be for Jesus. That's what he wants. And he's and it's been it's been a rough go and it's been a fight and it's been a battle, but every every way along the way Jesus has been there and he's provided for him and his family. And I just it, it's just meant the way he's given up his life for others, you know. He's the reason I'm here. He's the reason these three boys are here because of his decision to follow Jesus. So love you so much, brother. Love you you know, and I'm so glad that we're here and listening to you right now. Praise God. All right, thank you, Love you brother. Let's give it up for Bill. All right. Yeah. I did get scared a little bit at the very first when I called Steve doing it and I go, Bro Steve! <laughs> you know, he goes, Bro Bill! <laughs> Bro Mark! Right? He does that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I go, Hey Steve, I'm going to go full-time ministry. I'm leaving Willamette High School. He goes, That's a gutsy move, <laughs> man. Yeah, man, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but I have to tell you, you know, although the, the income was was cut in more than half and Sharon decided, and I rightly so, she made a decision to stay home to raise our three boys. I mean, we got three solid young men who, who love the Lord, are serving in his kingdom, and I'm so thankful for that. I just keep praying that they'll keep moving forward and not get pulled away we know that until they're in heaven you know their their souls are secure only if they remain faithful to christ amen i mean our security is christ jesus you know you go you go away from your security man you're in trouble and so uh yeah it was a blessing uh i was able to spend time with my family instead of working two full-time jobs so my sons finally got to see me and uh, i know there's been struggles in their lives because i wasn't there for them uh, early on because full-time teaching full-time ministry and you can't sustain that for very long and we we had a good run for 12 years but then 
God opened the door for me to go full-time, and so I, I took that door. Instead of saying, no, you get somebody else, I'm going to keep teaching. So thank you for recognizing that. It's, you know, appreciate that. Training up the fearless man or woman. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 27, verses 1, 2, and or not Matthew chapter. How about Psalms chapter 27? I did write Psalms 27 there, believe it or not. Psalms chapter 27, verses 1, 2, and 3. I've been working on, on memorizing Psalms, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful passage, uh, Psalms 27. Great, great passage. But just going to look at the first three verses. Psalms 27, verses 1, 2, and 3. Notice David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me in spite of this, I shall be confident. I wish I could say that that, that was who I was when I stepped out in faith. Um, since that time in 1989, there's been three kind of ugly attempted church splits where you know people didn't see it the way the scriptures teach it in regards to uh, new creation principles you know the faith of christ uh the inner man uh being transformed by looking into the face of of god's glory and so uh, there's been challenges along the way but you know god always provided and from that I've grown to be that, <clears throat> that man like David who says, The Lord's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You know, as I, I take a look at, you know, turning 65 and, you know what? Statistically, about 72 is when the end of the run is for men. Uh, if by strength, God says 80. And so I got 15 years left, right? <laughs> or, or more if Obamacare helps out a little bit. Oh, ouch okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i know <laughs> so that was a joke gentlemen i not depending on obamacare uh the lord is the defense of my life whom shall i dread man i love that you know, the scripture says that jesus is our dread champion you know the scripture says that man he's our dread champion man he strikes fear in the heart of satan and in satan's minions you know, when people get in your face and are all angry and freaking out when you speak the word, you know why? It's because they recognize they're on the wrong side of eternity. And you're, you're sharing with them that what they're doing is going to cause them to be on the wrong side of eternity. So don't fear when they do that. And it's going to get more challenging as the time goes on. We were talking about last night. The darkness doesn't flee. This kind of darkness that's going on right now is pure evil. It's orchestrated, it's worldwide, and it's not backing down. You know, this is kind of like Nazi Germany at the very end. They knew they were done. They knew they had lost. But then you know the Battle of the Bulge was their last, you know, frenzied attempt. And they were just murderous in that last big, huge battle before, of course, they, they were defeated. And Satan's on the same place. He's on the ropes, and he knows that. The church cannot be destroyed. 
individuals will die for their faith, but the church will not be destroyed. And so we need to recognize and understand the church is eternal. The kingdom is unshakable. The question is, is are you a member of that unshakable kingdom by being unshakable because you are the kingdom? Unshakable. Now, tonight I got two, two quick, easy points. The first principles of training up the fearless. There's two important principles that we're going to look at, and that's part one. And part two is the source of fearless courage must be the Lord. There is no other source. If, if you are not in Christ and Christ is not in you, if you are not living yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are giving yourself to some degree to the opposition. And that's where the chink in your armor, that's where the fear is going to come in. And you think the devil doesn't know that? He knows you. He knows you. He's had, for me, 65 years to figure me out. See? So he's going to use every angle where he's seen in my past. So I have to really put to death the old man and to grow the new man, Christ Jesus, in me. And that's what we are called to do. You were talking about it, the doctrine of godliness or the doctrine of God, right? And that we need to live by it. Not the doctrine of the churches, but the doctrine of God. Well, I want to begin tonight with the first principles of training up the fearless. So the first principle, there's two of them that I have from my many years of teaching, preaching, and, and actually being a, a high school teacher and being a disciple maker since almost day one. In fact, actually, day one, I came out of the water and I tried to convert my Baptist girlfriend the next day. It was great. Uh, I failed miserably because her dad was the Baptist youth minister and uh, he never let me talk to her again after I laid the plan out of salvation and she wanted to be immersed. Didn't work out so good for my relationship. But ever since then, I've been pushing the envelope because I don't want people to end up in the lake of fire. Well, let's take a look. Here's the first principle of training up the fearless. The, 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 the teachers, disciple makers, or fathers need to set the example. Need to set the example. How many know this passage of scripture from Proverbs 22? Raise up a child in the way that they shall go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I've many heard people, that's a promise from God. I raise up my children in the way that they should go, and they will not depart from God. Well, you know, I don't think that's correct. Because did God give every human soul free will? We do a great job in, in working on raising up our children, but they still got free will. They can still choose to follow after their own desires. And of course, of course, it's by the devil's leading. So we need to recognize and understand that everything we do is disciple-making. When we discipline our children, we're not spanking them only. We're disciplining them. We're encouraging them. We're building them to live faithfully. And we're going to look at several scriptures that will help us to do that. But teachers and fathers need to set the example. Disciples and children learn what you live. Your children learn what you live. So whatever you make is most important, that's what they're going to see as most important. You know, the preacher from Alvador, 
he's up here this weekend. He's going to be he's going to be preaching Kirk Parks. And you know what he said? You know why? It's just natural for me to be in the assembly on uh, for Bible class in the morning and for uh, a morning assembly and evening assembly and Wednesday evening and whenever there's another meeting that needs to be done. You know why? It's because when I was a kid, that's what we did. We're in the assembly. Bible class. We're in the assembly Sunday morning. We're in the in the assembly Sunday evening. They didn't call it assembly. They went to church, right? That's what they called it back then. And they, they were in the, the Wednesday evening assembly. Nope. That's how it was done. That was reality. And so, he has invested himself in serving the body of Christ at Pleasant Hill in that context. He's there. Kids saw him doing that did the same thing see because whatever is most important to you is going to be most important to your kids have you ever heard this statement before the stream can rise no higher than its source are we called to train up spiritual war fighters to take our place in the future are we called to do that and are they going to need to be fearless in the future when things get more challenging and the devil is going to pour on that intensity and he's going to use, as the book of Revelation says, he's going to use false religion and he's going to use the beast, which is world governments and business, to crush the church. So are we going to buckle or are we going to raise up an offspring? We're going to raise up descendants that are going to push back. Well, you can't raise up an offspring if that's not who you are. Children, learn what you live. A stream can rise no higher than its source. Might I suggest that you self-examine consistently. Are you that man? Are you that man fearless? And we're going to talk about how to be fearless tonight. But we're talking first principles of training up the fearless. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. You might be familiar with this one. This is a powerful passage of scripture in regards to the importance of our example. And... I appreciate Brian sharing that example and you know it kind of bugs me he does it all the time but but it pounds point the home home that the person's example is what touches the heart it, it's what causes a person to see who you are so your example is profoundly important and so taking a look at 2nd Timothy chapter 3 take a look at verse 10 down through verse 12 notice what Paul says here now you, Timothy, followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, what's really interesting here is that Jesus or Timothy got missile lock on the purpose that drove the Apostle Paul. What was his purpose in this life? You know what it was. You can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Everything was for the sake of winning some. He was all things to all men that some might be saved. That was his priority. Timothy was his true child in the faith. 
And so Timothy walked in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. Now, Timothy was not an A-type personality, lion-type personality like the Apostle Paul. He just wasn't. But that Timothy was spoken of by the Apostle Paul. And we're going to take a look at that in a little bit. What Timothy became in overcoming his B-type, timid, weak, physically frail self into becoming a man that was able to endure all things to deliver the gospel, to be a son in the faith that was faithful like his spiritual father, the Apostle Paul. He said, you, Paul said, you followed my example. Now take a look at, uh, <coughs> excuse me, take a look at Philippians chapter 2. What does Paul say about this young man? that followed his example. Wouldn't you love for the one who led you to Christ to publicly say this about you? Philippians in chapter 2. And notice what the Apostle Paul says about this young man, Timothy. His true child in the faith, he says. And uh, we looked up that word true, didn't you? True child in the faith. See? It means genuine real he is the real deal well notice what he says but i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you shortly so that i also may be encouraged when i learn of your condition for i have no one else no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely there it is genuinely truly genuinely be concerned for your welfare there's only one who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare like me for they will seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. There was nobody else like Timothy. The apostle Paul was the one we oftentimes look to as the one apostle that turned the world upside down and pierced the darkness. And he really was that guy. Timothy was a kindred spirit. There was no one who was genuinely concerned about lost souls except for Timothy. And you know, we see in 2 Timothy that a lot of those guys that were big names, where were they? They bailed when things got tough. But not Timothy. Timothy stayed the course. Do you know in the book of Hebrews... This is after Paul has died, has been killed. Timothy, it says, was released from prison. And so he's going to come to you soon. So Timothy, following in his spiritual father's footsteps, preached the gospel so much so that he himself was thrown in prison. We don't know all the particulars, but it says that he was released from prison. That's powerful. And so notice, he became a fearless servant of the Lord Jesus Christ in the face of the power of Rome and Rome was trying to crush the church and then of course you know papal Rome took over and worked to crush the church but Timothy stayed the course look at 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 listen to what the Apostle Paul says here it's, it's really amazing. And if you don't take the time to really think about what's being said, you're going to miss 
so much good stuff here about those who see the example of the Apostle Paul and embrace the example of the Apostle Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Listen very carefully to how they gave themselves fully to following the example of the Apostle Paul. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. Notice, they are what? They are work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in Christ Jesus in the presence of God our Father. In other words, they're making it. They're tearing it up for the Lord. They started out with horrible persecution, and they did not back down. They kept pushing forward. Well, notice what it says here. Going on, he says there in verse 4, Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Notice he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. How many know that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, after he says that he has given himself to offend no one, nor Jew, nor Greek, nor even of the church of God, but that in all things he's going to glorify God and save some. And then he says in verse 11, Therefore be imitators of me as I am of Christ Jesus. They actually watched the Apostle Paul and they gave them fully to do what? To preach the gospel with full conviction by the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And notice what it says in verse 7. So that you became an example. Your imitation of us, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. Now, if you listen very carefully, Paul says, you became imitators of us, saving souls, building the kingdom. That was your priority one. You saw it, you embraced it, you lived it, and now... You've not only reached out beyond your city, but you've gone into Macedonia, which, by the way, Thessalonica is in Macedonia. They took that region and Achaia, preaching the word of God, and even beyond. And so their, their, their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfast hope was known throughout those regions. And you know, if you take a look, when they got started, they were brutally attacked right out of the chute when the apostle came and preached the gospel for the first time. And they did not back down because they saw the apostle Paul preaching under great persecution and trial. And they followed through. You see, you can't give that fearless spirit to fight the good fight of faith to build the kingdom if, if you aren't doing that, the people that are following you, they're not going to do that either. So I know when I laid hands on Brian 
as an evangelist that if I were to have died, and that was when I was having some health issues that I talked to you guys and we talked to the church and we got it taken care of. If I passed, I wanted this thing to keep going. And I knew that Brian could do that great job of preaching. He'd be doing those, uh, well, it'd be 24 hours a day for you, right? 16-hour days as a police officer, and then the rest would be for preaching and teaching. Okay, don't do it for 12 years. You wouldn't make it. See, but, but then to see Jeff and, and Kirk step up and continue to preach, the men of the congregation are amazing. Scott's been growing. Scott's been taking over a lot of things that he's seen falling through the cracks. He says, can I help you with that? Can I help you with that? Yep. He's got it all dialed in. It's pretty exciting. So the church is growing. And it should. I want to be like Paul when I grow up. So that those who are fallen will be like Paul when they grow up. So the church will grow up into what they're called to be, imitators of Christ Jesus. I talked about a guy named Grandpa Penny. He showed me what true, no strings attached, no judgment for an idiot young man looked like. Man, that guy took me under his wing. And in my first year as a Christian, I was struggling and man he he was there when i'd come to him and say man i'm just struggling he he wouldn't judge me he would just do something like well you know what you know garbage attracts flies doesn't it and flies carry disease don't they i go well, what's your point he says well you kind of living a garbagey life aren't you oh so the attraction, of course. See, I was getting all messed up by all that bad company, right? And he put it in a way, it's like, well, of course, you know, garbage attracts flies. And of course, flies carry diseases. And of course, yeah, I'm hanging out with the garbage crew. I mean, it's just like, it's like a no-brainer. That was no judgment there. It was kind of fun, kind of like, oh, pierced. But that guy was amazing. The first person that I actually ended up immersing that remained faithful for more than a couple days he he next time he saw me he goes surely still growing isn't it? yeah she's growing man she's going out to the assembly and just excited about it and uh he goes well come to lunch with me after assembly so I go to lunch he goes we got to go down my my friend of mine owns the the, the Christian bookstore, I told him meetings down there after church. Of course, it's closed on Sunday, right? He goes down there and I said, this guy has made this, this Bible for you because no good preacher should be without a Bible. He says, on, on the lovely day of seeing Shirley immersed into Christ, love, Grandpa Penny. That affected me because when grandpa penny died i turned to sharon when i've heard and i told her i said grandpa penny died somebody's got to take his place you know what the lord did within a year he opened up the opportunity for me to have hands laid on me or days in an evangelist and i was out there preaching at pleasant hill within a year 
That man was amazing. There's a young man named Stephen Parmenter I immersed into Christ about two months ago. And he said to me, he goes, I think you're my grandpa Penny. He wants to preach. He wants to teach. He's got a good heart. You see, it's got to be men who are fearless, men who are willing to lay it down and continue to serve. Jesus first, Jesus last, and Jesus everything in between. And then people are going to see it. It's real. And they'll follow. And they'll be fearless. And they'll want to be like Grandpa Penny. They'll want to be like the Apostle Paul. They'll want to be like Jesus. And they'll invest themselves fully. And when things get rough, they're going to continue to push forward, knowing that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will be persecuted. Do not be surprised at the fire ordeals among you, brethren, as some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you experience the sufferings of Christ, so rejoice. I love that scripture. Have you ever noticed that when you look into the scriptures, you can see who God has called you to be? I'm going to give you an example. By the way, this is a picture of who I'm choosing to be. For those who know me, know that I'm living out this picture. Turn with me to the book of Acts in chapter 20. You know, the, the New Testament is a beautiful, illustrative book. There's pictures like you wouldn't believe in here. Pictures that transform the life. Because if you'll embrace these pictures as your truth, you will be transformed. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, but he wants to stop off and meet the elders from the city of Ephesus. He established the church there. He laid hands on these elders, and he wanted to make sure they're going to stay the course. So notice what he says here, beginning in verse 17. From Miletus, he, uh, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church, and when they, the elders, had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. In other words, it, it was gut-wrenching when people were falling away. It was gut-wrenching when he saw the devil taking advantage of. And you know that's true. There's many examples of that. But he goes on and he says here, Serving the Lord with all humility and tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20. And here's, here's my picture. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now many of you know I use the elementary teachings. Once you've established who Christ Jesus is, then you must establish true biblical repentance and must establish true biblical faith. And then if, they, if people understand who Jesus is and they're willing to lay down their past, embrace Christ Jesus as Lord, their natural response is to want to be united with him, crucified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection by faith in the waters of immersion. 
And that's what the elementary teachings actually teach. And the power of that, there's a gentleman down in New Mexico, never met before, but a disciple that I'm working on here, who's a deputy sheriff, said, hey, a buddy of mine that just retired from being a, a police chief back in uh, uh, South uh, Dakota, he's now living in New Mexico, he's searching for the Lord. And I told him about you. You want to give him a call? Yeah. I give him a call. His name is Matt Betson. We studied for six months elementary teaching. He goes, you know what? I've been searching all over and going to different churches and different Bible studies, and they're all over the place. And you got this thing that goes bang, 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 right down the line, just like it's in the scriptures. He said, after we got through with the baptism study, I told him, I said, you, you decide to be immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of sins to receive the Holy Spirit in obedience to the gospel, I'll jump a plane. That was on Friday morning. He called me Friday night. He said, I did that study. I read through the baptism study. And I says, he goes, I need to be immersed into Christ. I'm not a Christian. I need my sins forgiven. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I need to die with Christ because the old man has dominated and destroyed my life. I mean, he was laying it out. I said, so who is Jesus for you? He says, man, right now, he's my Lord. You need to get down here quick. And I jumped a plane that next Tuesday. And I immersed him into Christ that Wednesday. Jumped a plane back. And you know what's really cool? About three weeks ago, he goes, you know, you're coming down to work on my fence with my buddy's friends. He's searching for the Lord, too. Oh, and by the way, there's another guy that's a retired police chief. He's coming down and he's going to help us work on that fence. He's searching for the Lord, too. Oh, and there's another guy. He's a, 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 a vet because this guy is a, a, a Matt Betson is a, 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 a Marine. Not so lean and not so mean, but still a Marine kind of guy, you know? And uh, he goes, man, I met this young man. He's going to come help us with the fence. And guess what? He wants to know the Lord too. So I've decided, this is Matt now. I've decided before we start the fence every morning, we're doing at least a one-hour Bible study, and you're leading it. <laughs> I said, what do you think I ought to teach? He goes, well, Jesus, the cornerstone, repentance, faith, and immersion, of course. We're working on the fence five days. I figured that'll give you enough time to get it done. <laughs> I said, man, you're very, you're very, uh, you know, positive about that kind of thing. See, man, I'll tell you what, when you devote yourself to the Lord, he's going to open the doors like that. And when you want to win souls, God will open the door. You want to build souls, God's going to give you people. And you just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Jay Wilson said before I took the leap, he goes, man, you got all green lights, man. You got all green lights, meaning go for it. Leave Willamette, go for it. And as soon as I cut the, the purse strings from Willamette permanently, after a year, I went for it. All of a sudden, red lights all over the place. <laughs> but man, there's no going back. Just like Columbus, you know, burn the ships, man. We're not going back. <laughs> I'd cut the, the golden string. It wasn't, I wasn't going back. So here we go. We're moving forward. 
Oh, Cortez, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Columbus got back there. Yeah, Cortez, thank you. Appreciate that correction in history. That's a very important correction, by the way. <laughs> thank you. You know, I would like, if you want to, you could you could read. Uh, well, no, let's go to 20, chapter 20, verse 31 and 35. This is also a, a picture that I have in myself. Verse 31, Paul says to the, uh, the elders, Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears, and now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you the inheritance among all, this, all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered uh, to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's powerful. Paul was a tent-making preacher. Stephen Parmenter is a tent-making preacher. I told him he went to Bible college, and after a year he said, it's just, this is terrible. I'm not learning anything about God, just about a bunch of programs and stuff. So you really want to be a preacher? He goes, yeah. I said, go, got, go out and get yourself a career. You can provide for your, your family and your wife and kids when you get them. And then preach, and then preach, and then preach. It's all about preaching no matter where you're at. <coughs> and that guy's doing it. You know, I was, I was, I was talking to these guys coming up. He's, he's getting it figured out. He's going to be back in Eugene in about five years. He's going to be the manager over at Star Rental, making about hundred grand a year. That's his program. And his dad's the manager going to retire in, guess what, about five years. And so guess what his dad's doing? He's, he's, he's grooming his son. And his son is going to step into that. That's what the plan is. Oh, by the way, the owners of the company, that's a great idea. But he's learning to preach. We meet every week. I drive up on, on Sundays, or excuse me, on Thursdays. And we Bible study on what it means to be a preacher. And he's, he's writing sermons, isn't he? It's great. And he's doing Lord's Supper meditations. So, brethren, you've got to make that sacrifice for people fearlessly. Now... Here's some other verses I want you to take a look at. You can write these down and go look at them later. Look at Romans 10, verse 30 through uh, 11 and verse 1. That's powerful. Look at Philippians 3, 17. That's really powerful. And 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 13. All of those are examples of the fearless leader causing others to rise up fearlessly to serve the Lord. That's the first one. The teacher, disciple maker, father must set the example. You know, the second one is the teacher, the disciple maker, the father must be constant and consistent. Disciples and children learn your priorities. What is most important? They receive that receives your time, energy and resources. Brian said it used to be that his God was hunting. Right? He said it from the pulpit several times. Time, energy, and resources. It was all devoted to hunting. That was his God. His wife and his two children saw that. That was priority. That's rugged. That's not how it is now. 
when his kids have a game on Sunday, it was during the assembly, his wife goes one way, he goes another. And then they, they go to the game. If the, if the the game is not during that assembly hour, they're in the assembly. And then they go to the game. He doesn't hunt on Sunday anymore. I mean, what's he done? He's given that up for what? For living an example of Christ first, kingdom first. That's how it's got to be. Otherwise, people have nothing to follow. And they will be fearful and not fearless. What does Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9 say? Let's, let's turn there. If you've been in the ACE program and you've gone through their schools for training, they grind this into your head. You have to memorize it. It's a great passage, by the way. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is for you dads. This is for you men. By the way, can you be a spiritual father? Verse 4, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Verse 6, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. It's got to be in you first. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be a, as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Verse 6 says it's got to be in your heart first. And then you're constantly teaching. When they rise up, when they lie down, when you walk by the way. Now, I love it when my sons hang out with Mr. D, Jeff Drillinger. He did this with his kids. He was always teaching them about the word of the Lord. Always. When they're working, when they're out hunting, when they're after games, before games, talking, talking, talking about the Lord and putting it in understandable illustrations. But it was always the word of the Lord. I really appreciate that guy. Because he's helped me more than once in his way of communicating simple illustrations that communicate powerful principles that deliver amazing performance. And I love it. Jeff's a really good example of this kind of guy. And I am ashamed to tell you that that's not been who I have been for my sons. I envy that in him. Not in a bad way. So it's important to recognize that if you're going to be one who's really going to move someone, you have to be a constant and you have to be consistent and the message has to be the same and it's got to be throughout the day. When you rise up, when you lie down, and throughout the day. Now, if you're a spiritual father, the message needs to be the same. You're the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, you're the same. Sound like somebody? Like Jesus, right? That's how we need to be. You know, our physical kids got us dialed in pretty early on when they were little. Our sons got me pretty dialed in. 
and that was pretty rugged because I was going after seeking and saving the lost and working at Willamette High School. The Lord really saved me from that when he opened the door at Pleasant Hill. Because I had to step back and go, okay, so what's really important? Okay. M giving myself in service to the Lord first, then to my wife and my sons, and then to the church, and then to those who are not yet Christians. In that priority. Now Sharon has come alongside, and she had a readjustment in her priorities too. And she's all about serving alongside me and if she's not with me there at my side she is with me in prayer she is with me in helping me deliver the message and my sons saw that and thankfully they were about your son's age and they didn't suffer permanent damage from my having my priorities messed up So it's important for us to realize that we need to learn to be absolutely consistent and absolutely constant. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. We made all, all our kids memorize this. Memorize Ephesians 6 verses 1, 2, and 3. And I'm going to ask you a question after I read it. And I think most of you will know the answer. At least to our, to our dads. Ephesians chapter 6 verses... One, two, and three. This is the first Bible verse that all my boys memorized. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live all long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. First of all, fathers both disciple makers spiritual fathers physical fathers of your children you need to teach your kids to honor you and to obey you so it will be well with them when the police officer pulls them over they're going to say yes sir no sir they're not going to have their hands in their pockets they're not going to be grabbing anything they're going to be there Fully engaged with that officer. Why? Because they've learned to honor and obey. You don't teach your kids that. And they backtalk their boss. And they refuse to honor and obey. When he asks them to do things that are not sin. But are important. They're going to get fired. And then they're out on the street. Or they get like a lot of young people anymore. They get themselves in big trouble with the law because they don't honor and obey that authority. Where'd they learn not to honor and obey authority? It's from their dads. It's from their moms. We need to recognize that parents, and I know that most all of you that I know have done a good job of demanding honor and obedience. And your kids are going to be blessed by it. But if you don't do that for your kids, you're messing them up down the road. You cannot break the Word of God. The Word of God says children need to honor and obey. Their parents, first governors. But it says here in verse 3, Do not provoke your children to anger. 
My question is this, and you should know this. What's the one thing that will more quickly provoke a child to anger than anything else in regards to a, a leader, a coach, a preacher, a father? What is it? Hypocrisy. You're telling me to do one thing, to honor and obey, and you're not doing that yourself. You're not being obedient to the laws. You're not being obedient and working and serving your boss. You're not being obedient. You're not consistent. You're inconsistent. One day you're this way, one day you're that way. We don't know who you are. We don't know what to expect when you come, when you come home. It was right yesterday, but it's wrong today. What, what is, I mean, that will drive a kid crazy. And I'll drive a kid right out of the possibility of being in the kingdom. How many have ever had teachers before when they go, okay, these assignments are due tomorrow, first class, turn them in. I know it's kind of a big assignment. It's worth 30%, but you know, you've, you've known about this. You've got to turn that in tomorrow. And then half of the kids don't turn it in. And the teacher goes, well, okay, I'll give you another couple days. So I know, I know, it's, I know I, I reminded you just yesterday about it, even though you've known for two months. I'll give you another couple days. How about I give you till after the weekend? Now, I busted my fanny to get it done. You think I'm going to appreciate that teacher? What's the answer? No, man. So you know what I told my students? I said, you know what? If I say it's due tomorrow at the beginning of the period, it's due tomorrow at the beginning of the period before the end of my taking attendance. And if you don't have it in, it's worth zero. That's how we operate here. And some of the kids go, well, yeah, well, we'll see. Zero. Well, wait a minute. That's not fair because Mr. C you know, whatever. I said, I don't care who he is. I don't care what he does. When you need to turn in, I was consistent. Absolutely. You remember that, Mr. Bragg? So he understood where I stood. He understood who I was. And he understood you needed to come up to that standard. See, there's power in that. We need to be absolutely constant and consistent in who we are. You drive a child or a disciple crazy with hypocrisy. It destroys your ability to raise up a fearless man or woman. Personal example real quick. Some of you have heard this before. <clears throat> My dad used to drink like a fish and smoke like a smokestack. He used to cuss like a drunken sailor, but he was a drunken ex-army. He gave me my first beer when I was five years old. Wanted me to saddle up at the bar that he had built in our house. You know, I remember when I was 10 years old, I took the Lord's name in vain when I was asked to do something and I didn't want to do it. And I remember, man, I got a whooping like I couldn't believe. You know, you're right on that cusp at 10 years old of not getting whooped anymore. Right? You should be anyway. If you're almost not done, you know, chastising your kids by 10, you, you've lost it, man. I mean, if they're not going to fall through, you can't be doing that much after that. So, after he got done whipping me and I got done crying, I said, you know, Dad, I can't wait till I'm an adult like you so I can cuss whenever I want. 
Well, that didn't go over very well, and I got another whooping. <laughs> why did I get another whooping? You know why I got another whooping when I said that to him. I wasn't honoring him, but I was calling him out on what? On his hypocrisy. See, you're going to drive your disciples, and you're going to drive your kids away from the Lord if you're not a constant and you're not a consistent. You need to take a look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 through 27 on your own time. Really need to look at that. You need to make that your picture for your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In fact, I'm tempted to go there, but we don't have time for me to go there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. That's amazingly powerful. Paul's constancy. Paul's consistency. And Paul's follow-through. I'll close up rather quickly on this last passage. The source of fearless courage must be the Lord. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ one, you cannot be fearless in this world. It's impossible. Impossible. I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 112. Psalms 112. We're doing the fear of the Lord. The power of fear. Psalms 112. I started, I started working on last week. And it's, it's one of those passages of scripture that's an anchor verse for this year. This whole passage. But verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, how great he who greatly delights in his, his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord. For you gentlemen, we, we've been studying what it means to fear the Lord. And it doesn't mean to be scared of him. Perfect love drives out fear. And if you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which we're called to do and can do, and love our neighbor as Jesus loves our neighbor, perfect love drives out fear. And so we become fearless of man, but we have a reverential fear for God. Now, what's a reverential fear? For those who've been working with us at Pleasant Hill, it's to be in awe of who he is, yielding your spirit in adoration, worship, and service 24-7. Knowing who he is and who you're not without him, in that you humble yourself. The inner man is yielded to the authority of God and you will joyfully worship and serve him. And you know the other thing is, is you will love him as a child loves his father who is an absolute constant and will serve him out of devotion and not duty. The man who fears the Lord is richly blessed. And notice what it says. He delights in the word of the Lord. You want to know what God has for you. You want to know what he wants you to do. And you want to serve him and please him in every respect. And you know what it then says in verse 2? His descendants, the man who fears the Lord, 
His descendants will be mighty on the earth. I pray that my sons will continue to grow in Christ's likeness. And as they mature, as Ryan, I'm so proud of Ryan, the things he's written to me, the things he said to me, and the things that he has been doing that have been unspoken by him, but joyfully spoken by his fiance, tell me that he's following in my footsteps. But the beauty of it is he's got it figured out sooner than I got it figured out. And he said, hey, Dada, I was wondering if you'd send me my baseball mitt and two copies of the elementary teachings. I got a Bible study with one of the guys I'm working with. Man, that gets me excited. He wants to push back the darkness. It took him leaving home. Choosing now as a man on his own to be a man that is serving the Lord. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Do you want your biological children to be blessed? Do you want your spiritual children to be blessed? Do you want them to be fearless in what is coming? It's only if God is first, last, and everything in between. If every decision is not based upon your faith, if every word is not based upon your faith, if every motive is not based upon your faith, then you have weakness and the devil's going to come knocking and there'll be fear. Gentlemen, my, my prayer for us would be is that we would recognize that we need to be the source and example of fearlessness. Does Christ have a body in this generation? We are his body. This body, as Jesus, when he walked this earth, now he walks in us, must what? Give his body as a living and holy sacrifice. That's what we're called to do in every word, deed, and motive. Brethren, let's be, rise up, be fearless, and call others to that life of fearlessness, but only to fear the Lord. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we're gonna take a little break, but we do thank you and praise you for the rich blessing of your word. We need to be men who fear you and fear you only. But that fear must be an awe of who you are the greatness of your salvation, the greatness of your provision, the greatness of your glory, and all of it has been given to us. And then in humble adoration, worship and service, we would give ourselves fully to you as we serve others. Lord God, we pray that we would be fearless that our children, both those who you've given us in our physical family, and those you've given us as our disciples, Father, uh, would be fearless in their service to you also. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.